We couldn't even make it into full-on SEC play before it turned into a wonky college football season. We're happy to talk about what happened in the SEC a little bit last week, but also forward look to week three. This is Around the League from UGASports.com. I'm Dane Young. That's College Football Hall of Famer Jim Donnan, the former Georgia head coach, former Marshall head coach, offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. I can't run through the whole resume because it goes a lot of places. And uh, Brent Rollins with Pro Football Focus and UGASports.com. We're brought to you by ASW Distillery and Connor Grading and Landscaping. We'll tell you about them a little bit later on. But first, let's uh, get into our our main games of the week. I actually want to start with what I think is the most intriguing game in college football this week, and it's the storylines that come from it. So I'll start with you, Brent. 3.30 on CBS, number 22, Penn State at Auburn. And uh, currently, that is a Penn State three-point road favorite. What do you think about the Nittany Lions and the Auburn Tigers, Brent? Uh, I mean, can Auburn's defensive line control the game? I think, I think that's the question because they have some players like 55, 29, 25, uh, Wooten, Wooten Hall, and uh, what's Litua or Leota? Leota, that's the other one. Like those guys are players. And can they actually control the game? Because it's been a hodgepodge of actual production for Auburn at the quarterback position, and they've you know, at times looked like one of the worst teams in the SEC. But big home game, big deal for them. I mean, I think they come out and play better, but I don't know. <laughs> There's a thing that uh, just really kind of hits me very deeply. Air road, being able to play on the road in whatever conference you're in makes a difference. And uh, when you look at the record, Penn State under Franklin and, and 37 road games, he's 19 and 18. So they haven't been able to get over the hump and tight ball games, particularly on the road. They haven't been in an atmosphere like they're getting ready to be. You can talk all you want to about the different leagues they got uh, around the country, but you go into an SEC venue where the team is hungry, trying to prove their, you know, the fans feel like they can maybe get Auburn over the hump. I don't know that Auburn's going to be able to do it with their offensive, as Dane said, lack of productivity there. They just seem to, make up something in the huddle every play. They don't have any rhyme or reason for what they do. They must have 9 million plays. But uh, I, I think can they use that road inability of Penn State in their home field and make enough plays? Uh, this is a team that almost beat Alabama last year at, at uh, Jordan-Hare and almost lost to uh, – uh, Georgia State last year, J- Jordan Hare. So it, it's a hodge, like you said, up and down, back and forth. But uh, Penn State's got better players, one through 44. But, you know, I think the home field is going to help them. The funny story for me, and this is not on the field, but there was a report that uh, came out. I think it was Justin Hokinson who follows Auburn for, I think it's on three at this point. He tweeted out that Penn State's plane was no longer going to be landing at the Montgomery Airport, which is where most teams fly into to go play Auburn, because of construction on a runway at the airport, which then the airport responded on Twitter saying, no, they could still land here. They're choosing not to, because I'm thinking, well, San Jose State just landed there, presumably. So I'm wondering if something wonky is happening with some Auburn person somewhere, because now Penn State is flying into Columbus, Georgia, busing over to Montgomery to the hotel that they've already booked there, then playing the game and I guess flying out. They've added some logistics to it, which just seems like classic college football to me. Hey, well, you never know, but that's what Georgia does. Uh, We fly into Columbus 
uh, and then we ride a bus home. So, uh, you know, there's all different ways to get there. Penn State, you got the same problem. I know we played there in 1967, and I think we landed in Alaska and then took a bus <laughs> over there. It took us forever to get there. Over three-hour bus ride to the game, the morning of the game, after traffic mm. and everything. We didn't even have a police escort. So, oh, Joe Paterno said, don't help them out. Don't give them a police escort. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I do think that this is a game, though, that if, if Auburn survives it, I think it just gets rough later on in the SEC. Big game for them at home. We'll, we'll see how they can uh, handle it. Big game also, a late one, Coach, with Miami and Texas A&M. If A&M doesn't bounce back from its loss to App State, the schedule looks pretty gnarly heading forward when you're talking about Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama coming up after this game against Miami. Uh, right now, point spread on that one. Again, 9 p.m. kickoff Eastern time. Texas A&M, a home favorite by six points. Yeah, here's the thing. All week, every one of those kids and coaches just been in, under uh, constant scrutiny and uh, you know they understand what's at stake here. I mean, credibility not only for the league but for Texas A&M itself, uh, just inability to run the ball. 88 yards. I know they had some lost yardage plays last week, but this is an Appalachian State team that gave up 63 points the week before. Uh, no rhyme or reason for what they do on offense. Uh, trying to figure out uh, what to do uh, is going to be the plan. I mean, I heard they've alternated Johnson in there some this week. I, I think he's stubborn thinking that this is the guy and he keeps going with him. But I think the biggest problem with them, and, and Brent and I talked about it all fair one day when we were eating lunch, Jimbo is still trying to get the perfect play on every call. He waits to the last second, their offense, to, to try to check off. And the other team's defense just sits there and waits and then gives them a different look. So if, if I'm them, I'd try to speed it up. Maybe uh, Jimbo call the opposite of what he's been calling and see if it works. That's exactly the plan you should go with. I agree. It, it, opposite of the thing that gets you negative, basically, points and yardage against App State, like you said, 63 against UNC. Haynes King now in his career, 57.9 passing grade, five INTs. I just – I mean, I predicted on the show – on the the very first show we did that Max would take over in this game and would play QB the rest of the season for them. I do think we see it. Miami's interesting, obviously, because, you know, they're feeling pretty good about themselves, new coach, but they didn't play very well at all against Southern Miss. Tyler Van Dyke struggled against Southern Miss. One of the things like, I've done some work for their, for the Miami side over the past years with under Manny Diaz, they were one of the worst tackling teams in college football every single year. They've gotten infinitely better in that area. But now they got to try to track, tackle Devin A chain and, and some of the skill players that AM has. So I, I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good atmosphere. And I think it will be a good football game, but it might be just two okay, average type teams battling, back, punching back and forth. Yeah, you make a good point about the punching back and forth and the atmosphere, but that atmosphere can really change probably because of all the doubt that's created. You know, you hope that that Aggie yell and all that stuff is going to be there, but, and they, they'll stay with them a long time, but if they keep on going this way, they'll turn on them in a New York minute, you know, all of a sudden you get booed at home. And the thing about Miami, this is a team that wants to be better than it is. They put all this money in the program. They got Mario Cristobal there. They got some high level coaches, including Steele, who I think will put a good defensive front and team out on the field. But, 
they, they still are, are lacking the kind of players that uh, would take to beat A&M. A&M, again, is going to have to beat themselves. And if they do not come out with a victory, as you said, boy, it's going to be uh, – Yeah, I'd hate to be in, in the shoes of that A&M program with that, as you mentioned, group of teams are getting ready to face because all of them are pretty good. And, Coach, you mentioned money. Uh, here's a, a fun little stat for you. So uh, do you have the same stat, Brent? Because I bet I know exactly what you're going to say. And I bet it starts with an eight and ends with a five. Give me your stat, and then I'll give you my money stat. I think it's buyouts. Like, eight, like there is no buyout. Or something I wasn't like going that. with the buyout. I have a different okay. one, but I, I do okay. like the, the buyout number. Here's a stat for you. So if salaries just remain the same, it would take Appalachian State's head coach 18 years to make what Jimbo Fisher is making this year. Yeah, well, that, that's what that's the part. Plus, of they it. got paid to play in the game. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I guarantee you, Appalachians, uh, Sean uh, did a great job coaching. Uh, he was actually offensive lineman for App State when I was coaching at Marshall and, uh, you know, under the great Jerry Moore. And I sent him a text congratulating him and also say hello to coach Moore, who I think is among the premier people that I've ever been involved with in football. Just a great guy. But uh, the, the thing that, that really we can capture this show with is the fact SCC uh, West has got some really good teams in it, not dominant teams. You're going to have so many upsets, even though they won't be. I mean, I don't see anybody, maybe Alabama can get, go through it, but, there's going to be some teams in that that every one of the teams right now could beat the other one in, in the Western Division. You can't say that for the East, but Western that can happen, don't y'all think? Yeah, I think I think your point is valid about this college football in general, and I have always sort of long thought that. But you have a group of teams that are in that upper echelon, and it varies by year. Right now, it's you know maybe four, five, six teams that can potentially sort of win it all, but after that all the things that sort of matter in football, home and away, you know, somebody within your conference that you play all the time, a coach that you're used to playing against, uh, weather, like injuries, like all that stuff matters in every other game except for those sort of upper, upper echelon teams. And I think you see that in the SEC West where it's vibe, it's injuries, it's home road, it's any team, like you said, coach, can beat any team in that division. I think you're seeing some really good coaching in the SEC West because if you just go talent on the rosters, it should be Alabama and Texas A&M. And when you say Mississippi State can beat any of those teams, that's good coaching. When you say Arkansas can beat any of those teams, that's good coaching. And it's been good hires in that division for the last few years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they brought in some coaches. But the thing about Mississippi State, we always talk about their ability to throw the ball. They're got, they can run it now and – their defensive front is really tough against the run, and that scheme they run is hard to play against. You don't see that three-three-five that much in the SEC. Now all of a sudden they're running that, and uh, we'll see uh, what happens here. We're looking forward to talking about these other games, but in general, around the league is going to have a lot of interest all year because we're going to be talking about some games after they happen that you can't believe that the other team won, but it's going to happen. Well, let's stick with Mississippi State because I think that they are a better team than LSU, but still playing at LSU, that, that's a tough task for anyone. That's a 6 o'clock Eastern time, 5 central kick. Mississippi State, a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Coach, there aren't many teams that go into Baton Rouge as favorites. This won't be easy, but I, I think the Bulldogs are a better team. Yeah, and uh, 
if I weren't doing this show, I wouldn't have stayed up and watched Mississippi State play Arizona last week. The game didn't even start till 1045 and finished about two. Uh, I had a couple naps in between. That's for sure. <laughs> I say, did you stay the whole time, Coach? You closed that thing out? I promise you I watched it because I was afraid that Arizona – second half Arizona couldn't do much at all. But uh, Arizona got a scrambling quarterback, and he, he threatened them. But overall, it was just uh, a, an impressive – team victory on the road even though Arizona was down last year they brought in over 40 transfers you, you know you can't even recognize their team a lot better uh, offensive scheme everything about them but Mississippi State is a team that you know if you just envision last week all those short passes that we saw from from the uh, Sanford Bulldogs that's what Georgia's going to see they, they can throw the short passes and make first downs. I think he was 38 out of 43 or something like that. I'm sure Brent can tell us. But And their receivers run good routes, and they know where to be, and they read man zone coverage. Uh, it's hard to get a good read on them. I mean, the, the real deal that, that everybody's been doing is drop three uh, – I mean, rush three and drop eight. Arizona didn't do that, and they couldn't stop them. So uh, I think LSU certainly got talent. And they're playing at home, but but Coach Leach has already gone in there in his inaugural game at Mississippi State and beat those guys two years ago. So uh, I think Mississippi State will win this game. I tend to agree. Now I will say, like Jaden Daniels is actually a legit threat with his legs. Like he is a true running threat. Uh, but and he hasn't thrown an interception yet, which I thought yes. that was going to be a concern with him. And the focusing back to Mississippi State, like the interesting part about wa watching them is, you know, you talk all the time about how quick they get the ball out. It's even quicker this year. And I think a lot of that is you replace a NFL, you know, top 10 pick at left tackle, some other offensive linemen. It's kind of waiting, having to gel that area of your team a little bit more. So pass block grade through two weeks, not as good. So the ball is out even quicker, but Rogers is handling it just fine. When he's clean, he's, I think he's like 92, 93 type pass grade, very effective. But what's amazing for Mississippi State is they still is, is their schedule. They have four teams that are currently ranked in the top 10 still left on their schedule because they get Kentucky and Georgia from the East. So just a gauntlet of a schedule for them. But if they win this game, then they have Kentucky, I think, at home. Like they could be, could be frisky in the SEC West. Exactly. I don't know if Kentucky will stay there or Tennessee, but all of a sudden we're talking about that strong SEC East. It really is strong. <laughs> first, first group. And Florida's going to be a tough out. You still got to play good against them. I mean, you, you just can't go in there and lay it down and think you'll win. But, uh, but really not very good bottom half of the league. I mean, you get an all-star team of, of Vanderbilt, Miss, Missouri, and South Carolina and have a hard time winning, I think. Coach, is Will Rogers an NFL quarterback, or is he just another leech prodigy kind of guy? Well, I think he can go up there and have a shot at it. Yeah, I mean, because he's smart. He knows how to read coverages. He, he's very accurate. Uh, we'll say this again, and people argue with me. You can't teach accuracy. I mean, you, you either got it or you don't. It, 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 as much as you drill a guy, and, and Brent has worked with some of these young quarterbacks uh, lately because he does a great job of that, but you bring a guy in there that can't throw the ball consistently, even though he's got an arm, uh, you just can't acquire that technique. You either got it or you don't. So uh, I think Rodgers could get make an NFL team. Maybe 
as a clipboard guy or something like that. He, he'll be up there. He'll get, I think he'll stick for at least a couple of years. Let's uh, see if there's some guys from Georgia, South Carolina that wind up in the NFL. Uh, we know there will be on the line of scrimmage from both teams, frankly. Quarterbacks, I guess that will be uh, determined. Georgia at South Carolina. You can watch it with Coach Donnan and Roddy Nabolsi and myself on the UGA Sports Watch Along Show. Uh, wherever you're watching this, that will be on there as well. Brent, Coach and I talked about it on Tuesday. We did a, a pretty thorough preview of Georgia versus South Carolina. What are you thinking for that game? I mean, everything that you look at from a – data and just how they've played perspective, this game shouldn't be anywhere near close. Just South Carolina's played bad. Lowest overall grade, lowest offensive grade, lowest defensive grade, lowest run block grade, like one of the lowest pass block grades in terms of all, all across the SEC. Rattler's been pressured on like, I think 40%, almost 40% of his dropbacks. Him and Levis right there at the top of the league in terms of getting pressured. His passing grade under pressure is like 29. I mean, it's just been, it's, but there's, a, you know, the but, the environment, the heat, noon game, noon kick, those kind of things might keep them around. Uh, defensively, they've missed more tackles than, than any, almost anyone in Power Five. I think the most interesting thing watching their team is, you know, we talked a lot about, especially last year's Georgia game, how sort of Josh Van was the one guy for them that, that did stuff. So far this season, he has one catch for nine yards. He's been, you know, they, now they got the guy from James Madison, Juice Wells, that, had you know 190 yards receiving a week ago, but if they're going to do anything, and I think you're going to see a lot of the similar game plan where it's just any chance they get to take take a deep shot down the field, they do it. But those guys, Jaheim Bell, I think he's got to get more involved in the passing game. They're tight end to, for them to have any chance to stick around. Well, we got Stogner, that other guy transferred from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, we talked about on the first show that, that Rattler is. Got the big arm, but he, he really does uh, struggle under pressure compared to some quarterbacks. He has a tendency to really fade, uh, fade to his right pretty quickly out of the pocket. The thing about Georgia that I like, we haven't had any pressure this year as far as calls from the from the defensive front of more than four or five guys. I think we're going to bring some heat on this guy and see what he can do. Uh, we're really good at that. Our linebackers are fast. And our DN Smith, all those guys are great at rushing the passer. Plus, you got Carter too. So uh, it's going to be a question of Georgia making the plays. They're going to have a chance to make them. I mean, uh, South Carolina's got to hope that we drop the ball some on passes, that we fumble, get some penalties, uh, get some breaks in the kicking game. But you know, it's a, a really a mismatch, and it's nothing against South Carolina. I mean, Georgia is super talented team. I mean. They got guys stacked up in, in a lot of positions. And the thing about it, they practice against each other and they get better. And if they don't practice hard, they don't play. Uh, two guys that, you know, we thought might have been starting aren't starting now because the younger guys are coming up there, and that's what Kirby sells. So, uh, But realistically, I've been over there with a good team, and we've won. I've been over there with a good team, and we beat ourselves five turnovers. And I've been over there with a bad team, and we got beat. So hey, you can get. There's a lot of things, uh, you know, that can happen in that stadium. Uh, I never will forget the first time I ever was in South Carolina Stadium. I was a freshman coach at NC State, and uh, the other guy was a head coach. And I was in the press box for the first time, and there was another guy up there with me, and it was kind of an open press box. And uh, he kept yelling down on the thing, run the South Carolina special, run the South Carolina special. And, you know, 
they they were beating us not handily. But in the fourth quarter, some guy down in the uh, stands that had on a Gamecock hat, he said, why don't y'all run the South Carolina special? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you just always remember that about Williams Price. And then the, the, then when I played my first game in there as a, as a freshman, you had to play both ways back then. You could play – only two guys could come out of the lineup. So I was playing safety, and I was like, man, I mean, that I was a bad player to be out there, but – but anyhow, they threw a pass, and I broke on it, and I was on the sideline. And I, I stepped up with one hand and caught it. It's the only play I ever made on defense in my college career. So that's a little fun fact for you for athlete Williams-Brice Stadium. Was it 145 degrees? Because that's the hottest place we, on the earth. We, we played at night. We All played right. at night. So it was only 120 degrees. Yeah. And and when I was the freshman coach uh, – we we played at night and beat this when I was the head freshman coach. We we played at night and we won down there, so uh, I had a good time that night. If uh, South Carolina fans, as we have uh, some dogs barking here, that's why we got the Georgia going to get out tomorrow. Wow. Uh, after, after Georgia does that to South Carolina, there is a bit of a reprieve for the Gamecocks getting uh, Charlotte and South Carolina State the next two weeks before what will be a big game for them at Kentucky. Well, I believe how bad Charlotte's gotten. I mean, they, it is. They, they've gone down. Dogs have been muted. I was hoping for more dogs. It's a good time to let you know that if you want to watch Georgia and South Carolina, but you want to do it from home and not go to the hottest place on the face of the earth, that means your yard needs to look good for whoever is coming to watch the show or watch the game or the watch along show at your house. And to do that, you need to have the folks, our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping, come check out your home tailgate setup because it's so good what they can do. They can move the earth. They can get some uh, pavers in there if that's what you want. It's really what I like about Connor grading and landscaping is just the creativity that they have. You can say, hey, I had this idea. I want to do this with my backyard because I want a fire pit. Or maybe uh, you just want the water to go a certain way when it rains. They can have the ideas and say, well, actually, here's the way that this is going to work best and probably the most cost-effective way. And I promise you it's going to look good after they are done with your yard. Brent, I know they were at your house recently. Recently, uh, have you set up a time for them to uh, come and, and get some of that work done? Breaking it down, sort of looking at what piece I want to do now and, and I'm kind of going to do it in spurts, I guess, and figuring out what I want to do first. So, yes, but they were there, everything broken down. Hey, this is what it's going to be. All right, we'll figure out what we want to do first and then go from there. If you have questions about them, just go to connorgrading.com. I think following them on Instagram to see what they have going on is a great way to see what they have going on. That's instagram.com slash connorgrading. Or just go through their gallery on their website here at connorgrading.com and see some of the things that they've done before. It may give you an idea for your space and your setup so that way you can watch whatever game in the SEC and know that uh, your yard's looking the best in the neighborhood because you need it to look great. So thanks to Connor Grading and Landscaping for being a sponsor of Around the League. All right, let's get to uh, kind of the, the next level games. I think we're calling this the side dish games. <laughs> Ole Miss plays in Atlanta at Georgia Tech. Uh, Ole Miss is one of those teams I'm still learning who's on their roster, frankly. It's kind of like Arizona coach with as many transfers as they had. But overall, I haven't seen a lot from Georgia Tech to think that this is going to be something that Ole Miss is going to struggle with. Yeah, I think they got, uh, you know, too many players. And I don't know how many uh, new lease cars they got there at uh, Ole Miss, but 
supposedly some of those guys got a you know a nil deal that included a lease car so uh you know it's perfectly legal but uh it is an Ole Miss team is struggling for identity because anytime you're alternating quarterbacks or, you know, you, there's just a little bit of upheaval with your team. So, but uh, coach, uh, one thing about coach Kiffin, I mean, he'll do something out of, uh, you know, out of space. I mean, he doesn't worry about, you know, moving the quarterbacks around and all that. And he's got a good feel for his team. And, you know, I think he's the right coach there from the standpoint of the, uh, just to kind of a, a idle around the community. I mean, you know, he walks around town. I mean, this is Coach Kiffin. I mean, that's his school. That's his town. And uh, they've got a lot of things going for them. Uh, the Tech team uh, struggled early against Western Carolina. That was the – maybe that's because uh, Coach Collins, that's his uh, – where he went to school and he's being nice to him. But I, I just – Tech showed me a little bit against Tennessee. I mean, excuse me, that first game. Against uh, when they played against, uh, you know, they looked pretty good. They played Tennessee over there in the Dome four or five years ago. I'm talking about that. But they, they, they really did look pretty decent against Clemson. But, I, you know, Ole Miss should have too many players for them. Very much so, including now the highest-graded running back, <clears throat> excuse me, in the SEC. That's Quinshawn uh, Judkins, true freshman. Uh, that has 190 yards rushing uh, through two games, and giving That's him Sean. him and Zach Evans the combo. Like now, you're you're giving something that they can you know, do some different things with. You know, like you said, rotating the quarterbacks. But the thing that is interesting for me, most interesting for me with Ole Miss is they can figure these things out while also winning football games. Like they got Georgia Tech this week, obviously Tulsa next week, then Kentucky at home. They get through Kentucky at home, then it's at Vandy, Auburn at home. I think they could be at least seven and zero going into LSU at LSU, you know. And who knows by then what LSU is? But there's a world where they're nine and zero hosting Alabama. Yeah, but, but that's not going to mean a whole lot though, because that back end of the schedule is as much of a gauntlet in the final month as you can have. Very much so. Very yeah, much so. Because they got A and M, Bama, Arkansas, and then Miss State, but. It, it's an interesting team. It's always going to be interesting offensively because of what Kiffin does. And, and I think they're getting you know, in terms of players. It's a he, like coach said, new player. Like they, they wear, he wears the shirt at the press conference, transfer to the SIP. So you, you can go there and have instant success. And I think a lot of that is their system and the simplicity with which their system operates because you couldn't bring that many players in and, and not be, and be effective if you weren't simplistic in what you do. Let's go on to uh, this game has some slight intrigue, at least in terms of potential bowl eligibility. Vanderbilt at Northern Illinois. I'll be curious to see how this one turns out. Coach Vandy didn't have a whole lot for Wake Forest after the first quarter. Don't think that's unexpected, but still, is this a team that can find its way and fight for some bowl eligibility? Well, you go in there in Northern Illinois. I mean, it might be snowing up there. You never know. I mean, that, that's one of the <laughs> – coldest places ever in college football but fortunately playing in september but uh neither one of these teams really intrigued me much i mean like you said that vandy fighting for bowl eligibility i don't know how they're going to get to six though Uh, they just look uh their defense is not very good right now they can't break on the ball uh wake forest just stoned them there in the second half uh northern illinois has always been a team that that get some big wins out of conference too. 
I mean, Dave Doran was the coach, and then he got them to the Orange Bowl, and then all of a sudden he left for NC State. But uh, then the next coach left for uh, and and went to Temple. So uh, it's kind of a changing melting pot for coaches. But I look for Vandy to probably get the win. They got more players, but Northern Illinois will be a stern test for them. I like I like the Commodores here. I, I like the vibe. I like the fight. I like the fact that they're getting a, the little bit of talent that they do have and then are sort of growing and they're hang, like even hanging around a little bit with Wake Forest because that game could have got way ugly. But, it you know, they sort of fought and stayed in the game as much as they possibly could. I, I don't think, that, like I said, I don't think they get the ball eligibility, but I do think they get the win this weekend. Yeah, it's unlikely that they do because after Northern Illinois, it's full SEC slate. Bama, that's going to be a loss. Ole Miss is going to be a loss. Georgia's going to be a loss. At Missouri, maybe. It depends what the Tigers have going on. South Carolina, maybe. I'm taking uh, Vandy. Even then, you would still need uh, a win over Kentucky, Florida, or Tennessee at the end of the year. I don't see any of those happening. So I think max for them would be five and probably three or four. Is- Where's the Vandy-South Carolina game being play? That game is in Nashville. Nashville could be playing for the seller. <laughs> could be. Uh, other game in the SEC East: the Florida Gators coming off of its loss against uh, Kentucky. They're at home against South Florida. Brent, hey, it, Anthony Richardson went from Heisman contender, so I don't know if he should be playing in the SEC as fast as anyone as I've ever seen. Fifty point two passing grade, you know, thus far zero big time throws, four turnover worthy plays. Like there's just certain things from the quarterback position you just you just don't see. You don't see the consistency and the ability to operate uh, in the pocket that you need to. Obviously, he's a physical freak, but you know there's that comes with that. The biggest thing for me was I, I was curious what coach thought of Billy Napier's decisions uh, in in that game against Kentucky, especially the two late go forks on fourth downs. Yeah, I mean the first one didn't hurt him, but the second one did. I, I mean, doesn't show. Uh, you know, you know, he probably felt like the defense at that point wasn't going to be able to stop them because they hadn't much in the end of the third quarter and fourth quarter. But uh, very seldom you do that on backed up. You know, you punt the ball, but uh, even if you if you really want to uh, think you can make it, I mean, that's something that Leach used to do all the time: go for it on fourth down. He he would hardly ever punt, but. Uh, we said this before, and I'll say it again. Just no receivers. For uh, there's nobody that gets open or that, that catches the ball except the the backs. Uh, and they played that good coaching job by uh, the Kentucky Wildcats staff. Uh, congratulations, to Coach Stoops, going past Bear Bryant. And no people, a lot of people don't remember Bear got his start up there in Kentucky, and uh, he was uh, he was he was certainly there along with Adolph Rupp, who was the basketball coach. And it finally got to the point where he didn't feel like he could compete with basketball. And certainly that's been coming around again. We've been talking about Cal saying <laughs> that this is a basketball school. But congratulations, Kentucky. I mean, they got a chance to have a big year. They do. We'll talk about them in a second as well. Do you want to mention our friends at ASW Distillery, sponsors of uh, not only this, but the post-game overreaction show from UGASports.com. Go over to ASW Distillery and learn about how you can go to their tasting rooms. They have a few of them around Atlanta, one of them in the battery. So if you're going to a Braves game and want to check out some of the products from ASW Distillery, you should definitely do that because whether it be their Fiddler bourbon or maybe their gin, there's just 
options for whatever kind of spirits that you'd like to have uh, for your game day. I think it's a fantastic uh, way to celebrate a win for your team. ASW Distillery is uh, founded by five of the six founders of the company are UGA graduates. Uh, they like to say that they are distilled by dogs, and we're so happy that they are partners with UGA Sports uh, for this football season. So and if you really, if you get your ass beat, you can probably have three or four. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to forget a, a rough game. I think uh, maybe some of those Florida Gators needed some ASW distillery products last week. Uh, five cupcake games this week, guys. I'm going to run through these, and you just tell me if there's anything intriguing about them. Youngstown State plays at Kentucky. Abilene Christian plays at Missouri. Uh, Louisiana Monroe at Alabama. Poor Louisiana Monroe. For after that practice week that Bama's had, that's going to get rough. 49 is the uh, point spread on that one for Alabama. Akron is at Tennessee, which some reporter did not know that Tennessee beat Pitt, and they asked Joe Moorhead about it, and he was very kind in his response. I was surprised by that. Final game is, uh, let's see, what I, it's uh, Missouri Arkansas. State Petrino. at Arkansas. Bobby Petrino going back to Arkansas. So, Coach, anything in that slate that caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, probably the – in that game, uh, what is it? Southwest Missouri State is that their team? Missouri State. Missouri yeah. State. Yeah, they're all going to ride motorcycles into the stadium. Will <laughs> uh, be their entrance, but uh, you know, Bobby Petrino has taken that team last year to the playoffs. He likes those big games. He can coach them up now. He, he'll have a scheme, and it'll be kind of intriguing them going back into Razorback Stadium, but. Uh, you know, I don't see any of these teams making any kind of dent. The thing about Kentucky, everybody's been patting them on the back. They might screw around for a little while. They've had a tendency in games like that. Like last year, they had a game and, you know, almost lost against a, a BCA, you know, one of those one AA schools. Uh, so I, I, I don't see any real threats on this one. Do you, Brent? No. And I think in terms of just questions and points, one is Alabama to me has an identity issue and they like their team is not built like their team is built and built in the past four to five years. They just don't have the receivers that they've had period. And I think they're going to have to really think about the identity of their offense and what it should be and what it will be going forward for them to be tr sort of truly. And because you, you just can't depend on Bryce Young to be exactly. Mr. Heisman guy each and every week. Yeah, you make a really, really valid point there, and I will give you a little coaching philosophy. If you're a passing team, you're going to make a lot of stats and get a lot of yards against some, some, some cupcake, as you, as you mentioned, Dane, or some lesser teams. You're going to be able to out-athlete them. And, but when you're playing against a really good team and you can't run the ball and they know that they, they can rush the passer and defend the pass – then you get in, you're getting into a tough situation there. We saw that last year against uh, Auburn, and uh, we, we've seen it against a lot of teams, uh, and certainly in the championship game uh, against Georgia. So um, they, they've got to do, do a couple things. Find some old linemen, which I don't know if you can't trade. Maybe they got some younger ones put in there. And the other thing is get where they can run some play-action passes. All their passes are show passes. He goes back there and throws a bubble screen or, you know, a flare screen and things like that. Hardly any fake, hardly any RPOs. And that puts a lot of pressure on Bryce. So uh, I don't see Alabama going through this uh, 
schedule there is unscathed. They they don't have enough firepower right now to outscore a really good team when it's hot. And I mean, when that team's playing hot, and also they don't have a very good uh, defense against the pass. I mean, they they still have a hard time playing teams legally. They get penalties. I mean, fifteen penalties. I think nine of them on defense. Just grabbing guys and making stupid plays, lining up offsides. You know the Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, their their uh, defensive end, Will, Will Anderson. Will Anderson had three penalties himself. So uh, mm-hmm. you got to you're not going to win with 15 penalties. The game of this bunch that caught my attention because it should be a confidence builder. Akron and Tennessee. Akron last week lost 52 to nothing to Michigan State. And it was a very balanced Michigan State offense. 260 rushing yards, 236 passing yards, pretty much doing whatever they wanted to do. Tennessee building confidence before its game with Florida next week. This could quickly turn into a three-horse race in the SEC with Florida on the outside looking in after Kentucky. And this that'll be a big game for Tennessee. They need to go in with with all cylinders rocking. And yes, this is the team. And the two receivers. Them. Like we know Tillman's a beast at receiver. But Brew McCoy, the, the transfer, and then also Hyatt, like those guys have given them depth at the receiver position that really makes their offense to me go. Yeah, the thing you like about a Tennessee team, if you're a fan or a coach or analyst or whatever it might be, on the road, had every reason to be down, getting kicked, blocked, getting behind, a frenzied crowd, uh, and you hadn't played that great, but you still were able to win on the road. I mean, this Tennessee team has got an identity of their everybody believes in their offense, even though it's got some holes in it. But uh, it, all of a sudden, they go out on the field thinking they can score on anybody, and uh, their defense stepped up a little bit in that game. Uh, certainly, West Virginia's quarterback—I mean, excuse me—Pitt's uh, quarterback got hurt. But I like the identity of, of the Tennessee team and the Kentucky team right now. Because they they really have a lot of belief in themselves, and a lot of, you know more times than not that'll carry you over the finish line because you believe in each other. And just the way the schedule lines up, SEC East, just Tennessee being further in the season for Georgia, SEC East won't be decided for longer. We've seen that in recent years too, where Kentucky realistically has a chance schedule wise to win the SEC East. They haven't competed with Georgia fully yet, but we'll see. Uh, we will see also in week four of around the league what has uh, happened because week two was pretty crazy in college football. Thanks to you for watching. Uh, we'll be back. Thanks to our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery for sponsoring around the league. For the head coach, Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins, I'm Dane Young. We will see you next week.